Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The rooster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News, along with sports, weather, traffic, and business. I'm Deborah Valentine. Here's your top five at five. This this is the top five at five. New York City's mayor calling for help from the feds to stop the flow of illegal gun trafficking into New York City. Officials are turning up the heat on the MTA to install specialized barriers following two recent subway pushes, one fatal. New crime stats in the New York City subway system find crime is up 65% for the start of this year. A top U.S. official warning of massive consequences if Russia invades Ukraine. Omicron expected to peak in the U.S. in mid-February, while cases are on the decline here in New York and out in New Jersey. New York City's Mayor Eric Adams on Sunday demanded help from Washington, D.C. to block the constant flow of illegal firearms into New York City. Adams' plea comes after an NYPD police officer was killed, another in critical condition fighting for his life. Both were shot on Friday in Harlem during a domestic disturbance call. A third officer shot the suspect dead. And the mayor says illegally trafficked weapons are being seized by police, but they are quickly replenished by more being trafficked from outside of New York City. Here's Adams on Good Morning America. We don't coordinate to go after those gun dealers that are supplying the large cities in America, such as New York. Uh, We are losing the battle and the federal government must step, step in and play a role in doing so. And the mayor's play follows an emotional press conference on Friday where he decried the flooding of weapons into New York City from outside of the five boroughs. There are no gun manufacturers in New York City. We don't make guns here. How are we removing thousands of guns off the street? And they still find their way into New York City. According to NYPD Chief of Detectives James Essig, LaShawn McNeil, the 47-year-old man who allegedly shot that pair of NYPD cops Friday evening, used a Glock 45 with a high-capacity ammunition magazine. Now, that gun was stolen from Baltimore in 2017. The mayor supports the formation of a plainclothes anti-gun unit to reduce gun violence in all five boroughs. Now, this team will replace the controversial anti-crime unit that ex-police commissioner Dermot Shea disbanded last year. Additional calls for protective barriers throughout New York City's subways. Now, this push for the safety nets follows two subway shoves, one fatal. The latest occurred Sunday. A 61-year-old man was taken to a hospital with minor injuries after being pushed from the ANC platform at the Fulton Street Station down in Lower Manhattan just before 11.30 a.m. Sunday. 
Michelle Alyssa Go died after being shoved in front of a subway train at the Times Square station mid-January. Elected officials are calling on the MTA to move as quickly as possible to install protective barriers. Here's New York City Mayor Eric Adams on CNN. This is a sea of crime that's being fed by many rivers, and we have to dam each one of those rivers. And we have been unsuccessful to do so uh, throughout the years. These crimes did not start um, during my administration. They have been here for far too long in many parts of our community. According to the NYPD, transit crimes are up 65 percent this year. Ninety-six crimes have taken place in the first 16 days of this year compared to 58 last year. Also more on subway numbers. New data shows the NYPD reported 461 felony assaults in the New York City subway system for 2021 and eight homicides rates not seen since 1997. The high number of more violent crimes, felony and assaults, comes as crime dipped in December of last year in the subway system. The NYPD says there were 194 total major felonies, down from 235 in November. Also, subway robberies, which doubled from October to November, plummeted in December from 88 to 58. Grand larceny and assault also dropped in December when one murder and four rapes were also reported. Now, on average, police say there are 2.46 crimes per 1 million riders, up from 1.47 crimes back in 2019. On average, 2.23 million strap hangers ride the subways on an average weekday. 77 WABC time check 507. Here's Mark, uh, Mike Garcia at the traffic desk. It's not the first time I've been called Mark Depp. Don't worry. All right. Well, it's Monday. <laughs> well, it was snowing last night and it's a little quiet out there. The George Washington Bridge, Lincoln and Holland tunnels are all cleared and good to go. However, at Fairlawn on northbound Route 7, Locust Avenue between Moriat and Fairlawn Avenue, all lanes are closed on River Road from Burden to Hopper Avenue due to broken water main. In the Bronx, Fox Street northbound between Intervale Avenue and Tiffany Street are still closed due to the fatal house explosion that occurred last week week. Both Lenox Avenue North and Southbound between 129th and 135th Street, as well as East and Southbound West 135th Street between 5th and 7th Avenue are all closed due to Friday's fatal police shooting. For transit, the L train service for both East and Westbound between Broadway Junction Eastern Parkway and Rockway Parkway is suspended. For alternate, use a direct shuttle or local buses between those stations. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your traffic report on 77 WABC. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly sunny day today, highs 36. Increase in clouds overnight. We have a 20% chance of snow showers below 33. Right now, 30 degrees and mostly cloudy skies. Stories 4 and 5 in our top 5 at 5. More warnings from the U.S. to Russia. Secretary of State Antony Blinken warning of massive consequences if Russia invades Ukraine. Russia, as you know, has 100,000 troops staged at Ukraine's border. Blinken, though, ruled out sanctioning Russia. Ukraine claims the West's warnings about sanctions after an invasion are useless. Here's the Secretary of State on CNN. The purpose of those sanctions is to deter uh, Russian aggression. Uh, and so if they're, uh, if they're triggered now, you lose the deterrent effect. All of the things that we're doing, including uh, building up in a united way with Europe, massive consequences for Russia is designed to factor into President Putin's calculus and to deter and dissuade them from taking 
aggressive action. Blinken also wouldn't say if the Ukraine capital of Kiev was safe in the short term. Ukraine fears an imminent attack. Russia does not want Ukraine to join NATO, fearing additional Western influence. Talks between Blinken and Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov in Geneva on Friday sought no breakthroughs. Both sides agreed, though, to keep talking. Well, positive predictions about the Omicron variant from Dr. Anthony Fauci. He predicts almost all of the United States will have hit the Omicron peak within weeks. Dr. Fauci says the level of COVID-19 infections could become manageable by mid-February. Here's Fauci on ABC. If the pattern follows the trend that we're seeing in other places, such as the Northeast, I believe that you will start to see a turnaround throughout the entire country. The tri-state epicenter is seeing infections plunge by up to 64 percent. New York has actually recorded a 65 percent decrease in COVID infections since January 9th. And across the river in New Jersey, infections plunged 68 percent during the same time frame. However, COVID-19 related deaths were up 71 percent in both states. 77 WABC Time Check 510. Deborah Valentine with your early news. Well, continuing with more information surrounding that tragic cop shooting on Friday, Officer Jason Rivera, just 22 years old, killed his partner, 27-year-old Wilbert Moore, in critical condition this morning. In a heartfelt video message, when he graduated Washington Heights Expedentiary Learning School in 2017, Rivera urged younger students to work hard or they would make it nowhere in life. You know what? You could do it. I did it. All my all my fellow classmates did it. You definitely could do it, all right? And uh, Rivera went on then to attend Borough of Manhattan Community College and Lehman College before he joined the NYPD in November of 2020. Services for the fallen officer will be held at St. Patrick's Cathedral. A wake is planned on Thursday from 1 to 8 p.m. and the funeral on Friday at 9 a.m. Meanwhile, the body of Rivera was transported to the Riverdale Funeral Home in Inwood on Sunday. Hundreds of police officers were on hand to pay their respects. Rivera's emotional wheelchair-bound mother wept. New York City Mayor Eric Adams and NYPD Commissioner Keechant Sewell were both at that somber scene. The fallen officer's brother even made an impassioned plea as Rivera's body was being transported. And a wake will be held for the Washington Heights native again from 1 to 8 p.m. at St. Patrick's Cathedral, January 27th, followed by funeral services at 9 a.m. the next day. That, of course, Friday and members of the public have already raised more than $135,000 for the families of Rivera and Mora. Woke New York City Council member Kristen Richardson Jordan, newly elected under fire. Richardson Jordan is being criticized for tweeting about the potential closing of a community garden Friday night instead of showing sympathy following Friday night's fatal shooting of that NYPD officer, Jason Rivera, and the wounding of his partner. Jordan also caused controversy when she called the NYPD the Big Apple's biggest gang. After being lambasted on social media over her tweet, she drew even more ire by cryptically claiming she was ordered not to discuss the shooting. Jordan is among a group of progressive politicians on the New York City Council who support cutting NYPD funding at a time when the city is experiencing spikes in murders and other serious crimes. All crime categories up for last year except for burglary. 
All right, New York's Governor Kathy Hochul announced on Sunday that her office's that a newly formed task force that she announced during her state of the state speech, it's called the Interstate Task Force on Illegal Guns Designed to Target Illegal Weapons, will meet on Wednesday for the very first time. It was announced during Hochul's state of the state address, and this committee will convene law enforcement officials from across New York to share things like intelligence and strategies that can help stop the trafficking of illegal guns. Here's the governor. Despite our tough laws here in the state of New York, we're proud of them. They're coming in from other states. They're flooding our streets. And I have pledged the resources of the New York State Police to become embedded with NYPD and others to help them. In fact, we've tripled funding for this gun interdiction effort. Hochul has asked for $9 million in the new budget for New York State Police to expand and hire new recruits and gun tracing analysts and another $4 million to buy software to track illegal guns. State police say nearly 1,100 illegal guns were recovered last year, and stats from the NYPD show that many of the illegal weapons come from the South, particularly Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida. Well, transit officials say New York City will welcome back the W train today. It marks the return of the last of six subway lines suspended since the end of December due to COVID-19 staffing shortages. The other subway routes suspended during the Omicron wave, the BZ Rockaway Shuttle and Express Service on the 6 and 7 lines, those lines resumed last Wednesday. MTA officials were forced to yank those lines at the end of 2021 as absences due to COVID-19 rose as high as 14 percent among subway conductors and drivers. Bus service was also severely impacted. According to MTA stats, pandemic-era subway ridership peaked at 3.43 million daily riders. That was on December 9th. Last Thursday's subway ridership hit 2.52 million, and that is the highest since the Omicron surge started. All right, 77 WABC News Time is 5.15. Deb Valentine with your early news, and I know Justin Ellick is here with sports, and I know he has a lot to talk about. Yes, I do, Deb. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. Final Four is set for this year's NFL Conference Championship Games. The fun started on Saturday afternoon when the Cincinnati Bengals marched into Tennessee and knocked off the number one seed Titans by a score of 19-16. Rookie kicker Evan McPherson booted a 52-yard field goal as time expired, hoisting the Bengals to their first AFC Championship game in 33 years. Here's how it sounded from Ian Eagle at Nissan Stadium. McPherson trying to kick the Bengals into the AFC Championship. 52-yard, sweeps the leg, McPherson. He's got it. Cincinnati wins. They are going to the AFC Championship game for the first time since 1988. Spectacular. Now for Saturday's nightcap between the 49ers and Packers in Green Bay, San Francisco was able to withstand the snow and the right arm of potential league MVP Aaron Rodgers as a last-second field goal from kicker Robbie Gold secured a 13-10 win for the underdog Niners. An instant classic in Tampa Bay yesterday afternoon as the Los Angeles Rams were barely able to squeak out a last-minute victory over the Buccaneers. Down 27-3 at half, Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford spent much of the second half standing on the sideline watching Tom Brady stage another exhilarating comeback. The Bucks managed to nod it at 27 with just under a minute remaining, which left just enough time for a Stafford rebuttal that saw the gunslinger set his kicker, Matt Gay, up for a 30-yard game-winning field goal as time expired. 
30-27 to is your final score from Tampa Bay. Now for the divisional round finale in Kansas City between the Bills and Chiefs. In a wild overtime playoff bout, the Chiefs rallied past Buffalo 42-36 to to advance to the AFC Championship game next Sunday at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. That game will be set for a 3 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. As for the NFC Championship game between the 49ers and Rams in Los Angeles, that battle will begin at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. New York basketball fans got a full serving of hardwood action yesterday as the Knicks hosted the L.A. Clippers and the Nets were in Minnesota to battle the Timberwolves. Let's start at the Garden, where newly acquired Nick Cam Reddish made his debut with his new team. Reddish didn't see much action, only registering a pair of points in his five minutes on the floor. It was once again R.J. Barrett who shined brightest in orange and blue as he tallied 28 points, 14 rebounds, and 6 assists, and route to a 110-102 home win. The Knicks will be in Cleveland tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern to tango with the Cavaliers. The Nets didn't have such luck as they fell to the Timberwolves in Minnesota, 136-125. They'll try and rebound tomorrow night when the Lakers come to town at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Now let's lace them up with the Devils, who welcome the Los Angeles Kings to town. After winning the first period, two unanswered goals in the second and third proved too much for the Devils to handle as they fall 3-2 at home. They'll hang around in Newark until tomorrow night when the Dallas Stars come to town. As for the Rangers and Islanders, the Blue Shirts will be at MSG tonight to take their licks at the aforementioned Kings at 7 p.m. Eastern, and the Isles will hold off until tomorrow night when they welcome the Philadelphia Flyers onto the island at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Here with your early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. That Buffalo Chiefs game was one for the ages with three lead changes in the last two minutes. Wow. It really was. Wow. All right. And I'm 0 for 3 because, you know, (laughs) as predicted Friday that uh, Buffalo would win. We saw that one coming. (laughs) Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly sunny day today. Highs up to 36. Increase in clouds tonight. We have a 20% chance of snow showers. Low down to 33. Partly sunny day tomorrow. Even warmer. The high. 41 right now, 30 degrees, mostly cloudy skies. All right, 77 WABC time check is a 518. Let's head over to Frank Morano with your business report. Morano with your business report. The opening bell rings this morning, ushering in a fresh trading week after a down day on Friday wrapped up things last week. At the closing bell, the Dow lost 450 points, the S&P 500 dropped 84, and the Nasdaq fell 385. The U.S. food system is under renewed strain as COVID's Omicron variant stretches workforces from processing plants to grocery stores, leaving gaps on supermarket shelves. Recent virus-related absences among workers have added to continuing supply and transportation disruptions, keeping some food sources scarce. Germany's dependence on Russian gas has left Europe with little options to punish Moscow if it invades Ukraine and itself is at risk if Russia halts gas exports to the West. The two-decade-old decision to phase out nuclear power and recent moves to reduce reliance on coal in an effort to cut carbon dioxide emissions mean that Germany is now more dependent on Russian gas than most of its neighbors, not only for heating but also for power generation. This year, the country's last three nuclear power plants will close just as Germany faces some of the highest energy prices in the developed world. All German coal plants are scheduled to close by 2038. And finally, Tryon Partners Nelson Peltz's activist hedge fund has built a stake in Unilever PLC, ratcheting up the pressure on the consumer goods maker. Tryon and Unilever have declined to comment. The Financial Times, which reported the development, said that details have not been provided on the size of the New York-based hedge fund's stake in the British group or when it began. Tryon is 
known for proposing operational fixes at its portfolio companies, often through white papers. It presents itself as a partner that can offer constructive advice rather than the corporate raider intent on breaking companies apart. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. All right, 787 WABC time check, 521. Deborah Valentine with your early news this Monday morning. Well, more bad news for Joe Biden. A new poll says that six in 10 Americans would vote for somebody else other than President Joe Biden if, if the 2024 presidential election was actually held today. Now, that's a higher rate than his predecessors, Barack Obama and Donald Trump. So 60 percent of respondents to this Fox poll said they would probably or definitely vote for somebody else other than Biden. Only 36 percent gave support, saying they would definitely or probably reelect President Joe Biden. Here's the president during his press conference last week. I did not anticipate that there'd be such a stalwart effort to make sure that the most important thing was that President Biden didn't get anything done. And uh, in this poll, as well asked about Biden's handling of the U.S. economy, 58 percent to 41 percent disapprove. And when it comes to the COVID-19 viral pandemic, 52 percent to 46 percent disapprove, 59 percent to 37 percent disapprove of his handling of border security and another 54 to 41 percent disapprove of Biden's handling of foreign policy. And as bad as Biden's approval ratings are, Vice President Kamala Harris's are even worse. The survey found that 54 percent of Americans disapprove of the job that the VP is doing and only 43 percent approve. A Republican Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson blasting Democrats for trying to push voting reform measures through the U.S. Senate last week despite there being no mandate for the changes by the American public. Here he is on Cats Roundtable with 77 WABC owner and operator, John Katsimatidis. We actually respect the institution of the Senate. We understand why it's important to slow down debate, to not allow partisanship bills to just get rammed through a Senate. They'll, they'll, they'll change society significantly. Senate Democrats failed in their attempt last week to pass two voting measures, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the Freedom to Vote Act, amid opposition by Republicans. Following the defeat over voting reforms, an effort by Democrats to change the filibuster rule to get around the Senate's 60-vote threshold and pass legislation by a simple majority also failed. Two Democratic senators, Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, joined all Republicans to vote against changing the filibuster. Well, a crowd of up to 20,000 mostly maskless protesters demonstrated in Washington, D.C. on Saturday in protest of ongoing vaccine mandates, including those in the Capitol. Many went maskless in defiance of rules imposed in the Capitol to combat the spread of the Omicron variant. Democrat Robert F. Kennedy Jr., an outspoken figurehead of the anti-vax movement, was a keynote speaker. Every time they, they talk you and fool you into bullies cannot be appeased. It just encourages them to new forms of torture and torment. Every time you say yes, you're getting pushed back to a weaker position. Kennedy also took the time to compare those holding out on taking the vaccine to Anne Frank in Nazi Germany, saying that 
even in Hitler's Germany, you could cross the Alps into Switzerland. You could hide in an attic like Anne Frank did. The event's organizer, Matt Toon of Chicago, said that he wanted to change the current narrative surrounding those against vaccines and vaccine mandates. Republican Representative Michael McCall of Texas said in a recent report that Donald Trump considered an executive order to have the military seize voting machines in 2020 battleground states. He called it very serious. The top GOP lawmaker on the House Foreign Affairs Committee told CBS News' Face the Nation that he hopes the truth will come out in the investigation. The truth should come out. And I think the Department of Justice has been conducting an investigation. I worked at DOJ for almost 15 years, Mm -hmm. and I I trust their invest. I, in fact, called upon them to investigate this. So I'm hopeful that uh, the truth will come out on this. The allegations are very serious. Meanwhile, Representative Benny Thompson, who chairs that House Select Committee investigating the Capitol attack, confirmed that such an executive order was drafted. We are concerned that our military was part of this big lie on promoting that the election was false. So if you are using the military to potentially seize voting machines, even though it's a discussion, the public needs to know. Trump backed McCall's re-election bid in November of last year, despite McCall earlier condemning Trump for the January 6th U.S. Capitol riot. Well, heading out to California, woke L.A. District Attorney George Gascon is firing back at Union Pacific. The railroad company has taken shots at the woke D.A. for not doing more to stop train burglaries in the L.A. area, despite the company's pleas. This comes after Governor Gavin Newsom was so disgusted by a ravaged rail depot full of debris due to thefts that he helped crews ordered to do the cleanup. We need all of us to recognize our collective and individual responsibility to do more and start supporting one another to address these issues. Governor Newsom there in December, rail company Union Pacific sent a letter to the DADA Gaskin asking for more aggressive prosecutions. Gaskin's office previously said it was committed to working with law enforcement to ensure collective safety across L.A.'s sprawling infrastructure. However, on Friday, Gaskin wrote a strongly worded letter back to Union Pacific saying... They filed fewer criminal cases to his office than in 2019 and 2020. 77 WABC time check, 527. Let's head over to Mike Garcia at the traffic desk. Thank you, Deb. Good morning, everyone. The George Washington Bridge, Lincoln, and Holland Tunnels are all still cleared, but please travel safely. At Fairlawn on northbound Route 7, Locust Avenue between Moriott and Fairlawn Avenue, all lanes are closed on River Road from Burden to Hopper Avenue due to Broken Water Main. In the Bronx, Fox Street northbound between Intervale Avenue and Tiffany Street are still closed due to the fatal house explosion that occurred last week. Both Lennox Avenue north and southbound between 129th and 135th Street, as well as east and southbound West 135th Street between 5th and 7th Avenue are all closed due to Friday's fatal police shooting. For transit, the L train service for both east and westbound between Broadway Junction, Eastern Parkway, and Rockaway Parkway is suspended. For alternate, use a direct shuttle or local buses between those stations. Alternate side parking rules are still in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your traffic report on 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Mike. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center calling for mostly sunny day today, our hype to 30.
36. Increase in clouds overnight. We may see a little bit more snow, 20% chance of snow showers. The overnight lows 33 and a partly sunny day tomorrow, the high 41. Right now, we're holding steady at 30 degrees under cloudy skies. Well, former Republican Representative Devin Nunes of California debuted his new title as Trump Media and Technology Group CEO. Nunes said in a normal world, hundreds of people would probe the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. Here's what he told Fox on Sunday. One thing is for sure that that, that big tech and the fake news media complex in this country uh, helped cover up evidence that clearly, I mean, this is this was major evidence that sat on that laptop. The FBI had it for over a year. Nothing was done with it. As the top GOP member of the Intelligence Committee, the report of the contents of Hunter's laptop one month before the 2020 election was of top interest to Nunes. Emails on that laptop allegedly show Hunter Biden setting up a meeting between his father, Joe Biden, and a Ukrainian energy firm executive from Burisma. Biden was paid by the firm $50,000 a month. Nunes, of course, announced back in December that he would resign from his post in Congress and take on the leadership role with Trump's new venture, which he did as of January 1. 77 WABC News Time, 530. Deb Valentine with your early news. And, of course, we'll have more news, sports, weather, traffic, and business right after the break. Entertaining and informative. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine with your news. And, of course, we have sports, weather, traffic, business all coming up. Here's your top five at 530. It's the top five at 530. Well, New York City's mayor is calling for help from the feds to stop the flow of illegal gun trafficking right here in New York City. And officials are turning up the heat on the MTA to install specialized barriers following two recent subway pushes. One of them was fatal. New crime statistics in the New York City subway system find that crime is up 65% for the start of this year. A top U.S. official warning of massive consequences if Russia invades Ukraine. Omicron expected to peak in the United States in mid-February, while cases here are on the decline, both in New York and over in New Jersey. All right, New York City's Mayor Eric Adams Sunday demanded help from Washington, D.C. to block the constant flow of illegal firearms into New York City. Adams' plea comes after an NYPD police officer was killed. Another is in critical condition this morning, fighting for his life. Both were shot on Friday in Harlem during a domestic disturbance call. A third officer shot the suspect dead. Now, Adams says illegally trafficked guns are being seized by police here in New York, but they are quickly replenished by more being trafficked from outside of the New York City area. Here's Adams on Good Morning America. We don't coordinate to go after those gun dealers uh, that are supplying the large cities in America, such as New York. Uh, we are losing the battle, and the federal government must step, step in and play a role in doing so. The mayor's plea follows an emotional press conference on Friday where he decried the flooding of weapons into New York City from outside of the five boroughs. There are no gun manufacturers in New York City. We don't make guns here. How are we removing thousands of guns off the street and they still find their way into New York City? 
So according to the NYPD chief of detectives, James Essig, LaShawn McNeil, the 47-year-old man who allegedly shot that pair of NYPD officers on Friday evening, used a Glock 45 with a high-capacity ammunition magazine. Now, that weapon was stolen from Baltimore in 2017. Adams supports the formation of a plainclothes anti-gun unit to reduce gun violence throughout all five boroughs. That team will replace the controversial anti-crime unit that ex-police commissioner Dermot Shea disbanded in 2021. Well, calls for protective barriers throughout New York City subways. The push for the safety nets follows two subway shoves, and one of those was fatal. The latest on Sunday. Here's what happened. A 61-year-old man was taken to a hospital with minor injuries after being pushed from the platform at the ANC station at the Fulton Street subway station down in lower Manhattan. Now, this happened just before 1130 a.m. Sunday. Meanwhile, Michelle Alyssa Goh died after being shoved right in front of a subway train at the Times Square station on January 15th. Now, elected officials are calling on the Metropolitan Transportation Authority to move as quickly as possible to install protective barriers. Here's New York City Mayor Eric Adams on CNN. This is a sea of crime that's being fed by many rivers. And we have to dam each one of those rivers. And we have been unsuccessful to do so uh, throughout the years. These crimes did not start um, during my administration. They have been here for far too long in many parts of our community. According to the NYPD, transit crimes are up 65% this year alone. 96 crimes have taken place in the first 16 days of January compared to 58 last year. More subway numbers for you. New data shows the NYPD reported 461 felony assaults in the New York City subway system last year. Eight homicides, rates not seen since 1997. The high number of more violent crimes, felony and assaults, comes as crime dipped in December of 2021 in the subway system. The NYPD says there were 194 total major felonies, down from 235 in November of 2021. Now, Also, subway robberies, which doubled from October to November, actually plummeted in December from 88 to 58. Grand larceny and assault also dropped in December when one murder and four rapes were also reported. Now, on average, police say there are 2.46 crimes per 1 million riders, up from 1.47 crimes in 2019. On average, 2.23 million strap hangers ride the subways on an average weekday. Mayor Eric Adams took office January 1 and pledged to reassign NYPD officers on desk duty to subway patrols. Well, more warnings from the United States to Russia. Secretary of State Antony Blinken warns of massive consequences if Russia invades Ukraine. Russia has 100,000 troops staged at Ukraine's border. Blinken ruled out sanctioning Russia. Ukraine claims the West warnings about sanctions after an invasion would be useless. Here's the Secretary of State on CNN. The purpose of those sanctions is to deter uh, Russian aggression. Uh, and so if they're, uh, if they're triggered now, you lose the deterrent effect. All of the things that we're doing, including uh, building up in a united way with Europe, massive consequences for Russia, is designed to factor into President Putin's calculus and to deter and dissuade them from taking 
aggressive action. Ukraine fears an imminent attack. Russia does not want Ukraine to join NATO, fearing additional Western influence. Talks between Blinken and his Russian foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, in Geneva on Friday saw no breakthroughs. Both sides, though, agreed to keep talking. 77 WABC time check, 537. Let's head over to the traffic desk with Mike Garcia. Thank you very much, Deb. Good morning, everyone. The George Washington Bridge, Lincoln, and Holland Tunnels are all still cleared. However, there is a speed restriction of 45 miles per hour at the Mario Cuomo Bridge due to snow that occurred last night. At Fairlawn on northbound Route 7, Locust Avenue between Moriette and Fairlawn Avenue, all lanes are closed on River Road from Burden to Hopper Avenue due to a broken water main. At the Alpine, the Palisades Interstate Parkway is closed due to an accident. In the Bronx, Fox Street northbound between Intervale Avenue and Tiffany Street is still closed due to fatal house explosions that occurred last week. Both Lenox Avenue north and southbound between 129th and 135th Street, as well as east and southbound west 135th Street between 5th and 7th Avenue are all closed due to Friday's fatal police shooting. For transit, the L train service for both east and westbound between Broadway Junction East Eastern Parkway and Rockway Parkway is suspended. For alternate, use a direct shuttle or local buses between those stations. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your travel report on 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Mike. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center calling for a mostly sunny day today. Our highs 36. Overnight, increasing clouds. We have a 20% chance of snow showers. The overnight low is 33. Partly sunny day tomorrow, even warmer. The high 41. Right now, we're still holding steady at 30 degrees, cloudy skies here in the Big Apple. Well, some positive predictions about the Omicron variant from none other than Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert. Now, he predicts almost all of the United States will have hit the Omicron peak within weeks. Fauci thinks the level of COVID infections could become manageable by mid-February. Here's Fauci on ABC. If the pattern follows the trend that we're seeing in other places, such as the Northeast, I believe that you will start to see a turnaround throughout the entire country. Tri-state epicenters are seeing infections plunge by up to 64 percent. New York has recorded actually a 65 percent decrease in COVID infections since January 9th. And across the Hudson over in New Jersey, infections plunged 68 percent during the same time frame. However, COVID-related deaths were up 71 percent in both states. And more on that tragic cop shooting on Friday. Officer Jason Rivera, just 22 years old, killed his partner, 27-year-old Wilbert Moore, in critical condition this morning. That's the update there. So in a heartfelt video message, when he graduated Washington Heights Expedentiary Learning School in 2017, Rivera urged younger students to work hard or they would make it nowhere in life. You know what? You could do it. I did it. All my all my fellow classmates did it. You definitely could do it, all right? And then Rivera went on to attend Borough of Manhattan Community College and Lehman College before he joined the NYPD. That was in November 2020. Meanwhile, services for the fallen officer will be held at St. Patrick's Cathedral. A wake is planned on Thursday from 1 to 8 p.m. And then the funeral itself, the funeral mass begins Friday at 9 a.m. And the body of Rivera was transported to the Riverdale Funeral Home in Inwood on Sunday. Hundreds of police officers on hand to pay their respects. Rivera's emotional wheelchair-bound mother wept. New York City Mayor Eric Adams and NYPD Commissioner Keechant Sewell 
of course, at that somber scene, and the fallen officer's brother even made an impassioned plea as Rivera's body was being transported. And a wake again will be held for the Washington Heights native 1 to 8 p.m. at St. Patrick's Cathedral on January 27th, Thursday, followed by funeral services at 9 a.m. on Friday. Members of the public have already raised more than $135,000 for the families of Rivera and Mora. Woke New York City Council member Kristen Richardson Jordan, newly elected under fire. Richardson Jordan is being criticized for tweeting about the potential closing of a community garden Friday night instead of showing sympathy following Friday night's fatal shooting of NYPD officer Jason Rivera and the wounding of his partner. Jordan also caused controversy when she called the NYPD the Big Apple's biggest gang. After being lambasted on social media over her tweet, she drew even more ire by cryptically claiming she was ordered not to discuss the shooting. Jordan, among a group of progressive politicians on the city council who support cutting NYPD funding at a time when the city is experiencing spikes in murders as well as other serious crimes. New York's governor, Kathy Hochul, announced on Sunday that her office's newly formed task force, it's called the Interstate Task Force on Illegal Guns, designed to target illegal weapons, will meet Wednesday for the very first time. And this task force was actually announced during Hochul's State of the State address. So this committee will convene law enforcement officials from all across New York to share intelligence and strategies that can stop the trafficking of illegal guns. Despite our tough laws here in the state of New York, we're proud of them. They're coming in from other states. They're flooding our streets. And I have pledged the resources of the New York State Police to become embedded with NYPD and others to help them. In fact, we've tripled funding for this gun interdiction effort. So Hochul has asked for $9 million in the new state budget for New York State troopers to expand and hire new recruits and gun tracing analysts and $4 million to buy software to try and track illegal guns. Now, state police say nearly 1,100 illegal guns were recovered last year. And stats from the NYPD show that many of the illegal weapons come from the South, particularly Georgia, South Carolina and Florida. All good news from the MTA. Transit officials say New York City will welcome back the W train today. It marks the return of the last of six subway lines suspended since the end of December due to COVID-19 staffing shortages. The other subway routes suspended during the Omicron wave, the B, the Z, and the Rockaway shuttle and express service on the six and seven lines resumed last Wednesday. MTA officials were forced to yank those lines at the end of last year as absences due to COVID-19 rose as high as 14 percent among subway conductors and drivers. Bus service was also severely impacted. So according to the MTA statistics, pandemic-era subway ridership peaked at 3.43 million daily riders. That was on December 9th. But as of last Thursday, subway ridership hit only 2.52 million And that, though, is the highest since the Omicron surge began. 77 WABC time check, 545. Justin Ellick has a thorough look at what's happening in sports. Yes, I do, Deb. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. The Final Four is set for this year's NFL Conference Championship games. Fun started on Saturday afternoon when the Cincinnati Bengals marched into Tennessee and knocked off the number one seed Titans by a score of 19-16. to 
Rookie kicker Evan McPherson booted a 52-yard field goal as time expired, hoisting the Bengals to their first AFC championship game in 33 years. Here's how it sounded from Ian Eagle at Nissan Stadium. Trying to kick the Bengals into the AFC championship. 52-yarder sweeps the leg, McPherson. He's got it. Cincinnati wins. They are going to the AFC championship game for the first time since 1988. Now for Saturday's nightcap between the 49ers and Packers in Green Bay, San Francisco was able to withstand the snow and the right arm of potential league MVP Aaron Rodgers as a last-second field goal from kicker Robbie Gold secured a 13-10 win for the underdog Niners. An instant classic in Tampa Bay yesterday afternoon as the Los Angeles Rams were barely able to squeak out a last-minute victory over the Buccaneers. Down 27-3 at half, Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford spent much of the second half standing on the sideline watching Tom Brady stage another exhilarating comeback. The Bucks managed to nod it at 27 with just under a minute remaining, which left just enough time for a Stafford rebuttal that saw the gunslinger set his kicker Matt Gay up for a 30-yard game-winning field goal as time expired. 30-27 to 27 is your final score from Tampa Bay. Now for the divisional round finale in Kansas City between the Bills and Chiefs. In a wild overtime playoff bout, the Chiefs rallied past Buffalo 42-36 to to advance to the AFC Championship game next Sunday at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. That game will be set for 3 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. As for the NFC Championship game between the 49ers and Rams in L.A., that battle will begin at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. New York basketball fans got a full serving of hardwood action yesterday as the Knicks hosted the L.A. Clippers and the Nets were in Minnesota to battle the Timberwolves. Let's start at the Garden, where newly acquired Nick Cam Reddish made his debut with his new team. Reddish didn't see much, much action, only registering a pair of points in his five minutes on the floor. It was once again R.J. Barrett who shined brightest in orange and blue as he tallied 28 points, 14 rebounds, and 6 assists, and route to a 110-102 home win. The Knicks will be in Cleveland tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern to tango with the Cavaliers. The Nets didn't have such luck as they fell to the Timberwolves in Minnesota 136-125. to They'll try and rebound tomorrow night when the Lakers come to town at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Now let's lace them up with the Devils, who welcome the Los Angeles Kings into Newark. After winning the first period, two unanswered goals in the second and third proved too much for the Devils to handle as they fall 3-2 at home. They'll hang around in Newark until tomorrow night when the Dallas Stars come on in. As for the Rangers and Islanders, the Blue Shirts will be at MSG tonight to take their licks at the aforementioned Kings at 7 p.m. Eastern, and the Isles will hold off until tomorrow night when they welcome the Philadelphia Flyers onto the island for a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time face-off. Here with your early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Justin. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A little bit warmer today. Our highs 36 with mostly sunny skies. Increase in clouds overnight. We have a 20% chance of snow showers. The lows down to 33. Partly sunny skies tomorrow. The high 41 right now. We are still holding steady at 30 degrees under cloudy skies in midtown Manhattan. Here's Frank Morano with your business report. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. The opening bell rings this morning, ushering in a fresh trading week after a down day on Friday wrapped up things last week. At the closing bell, the Dow lost 450 points, the S&P 500 dropped 84, and the Nasdaq fell 385. The U.S. food system is under renewed strain as COVID's Omicron variant stretches workforces from processing plants to grocery stores, leaving gaps on supermarket shelves. Recent virus-related absences among workers have added to continuing supply and transportation disruptions, keeping some food sources scarce. 
Germany's dependence on Russian gas has left Europe with little options to punish Moscow if it invades Ukraine and itself is at risk if Russia halts gas exports to the West. The two-decade-old decision to phase out nuclear power and recent moves to reduce reliance on coal in an effort to cut carbon dioxide emissions mean that Germany is now more dependent on Russian gas than most of its neighbors, not only for heating but also for power generation. This year, the country's last three nuclear power plants will close just as Germany faces some of the highest energy prices in the developed world. All German coal plants are scheduled to close by 2038. And finally, Tryon Partners Nelson Peltz's activist hedge fund has built a stake in Unilever PLC, ratcheting up the pressure on the consumer goods maker. Tryon and Unilever have declined to comment. The Financial Times, which reported the development, said that details have not been provided on the size of the New York-based hedge fund's stake in the British group or when it began. Tryon is known for proposing operational fixes at its portfolio companies, often through white papers. It presents itself as a partner that can offer constructive advice rather than the corporate raider intent on breaking companies apart. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. All right, 77 WABC time check, 551. Deb Valentine with your early news traffic coming up at 557. And Bernie and Sid coming up at 6. Leading employers in the Big Apple recently met with controversial Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg over his lax on crime policies that have stirred so much controversy. An advocate for those employers said their meeting was productive with the progressive DA, but ultimately the proof will be in the pudding. Catherine Wilde, president of the Partnership for New York City, said she was cautiously optimistic about Bragg. Here's Wilde on Cat's Roundtable with 77 WABC owner and operator John Katzmatidis. One of the CEOs on the call was the head of Deloitte, whose employee was killed last Saturday. And he described how the ripple effects through his thousands of employees and, in fact, the tens of thousands of people who work around the Times Square area. Wilde noted that the new DA Bragg clarified that he will prosecute armed robbery as a felony and that physical attacks on police will not be tolerated. New NYPD Police Commissioner Keechant Sewell has expressed fears that Bragg's policies will put cops and New Yorkers at risk. Local Republicans have backed various bids to try and oust the top prosecutor from office. Even Democratic Representative Tom Suozzi, the former Nassau County executive, launched a new ad that was on Friday. Now, in this ad, the congressman promises to remove Bragg from office if he's elected as governor of New York. The Manhattan DA is actually proposing to downgrade armed robbery to a misdemeanor and to stop prosecuting resisting arrest. And that makes no sense. I'm Tom Swazi. I'll be a common sense governor committed to both protecting our neighborhoods from crime and combating the inequality and despair that help cause it. If any DA refuses to enforce the law, I'll remove them. Bragg has suddenly become a hot button issue in gubernatorial election material, mainly due to the memo his office issued downgrading crimes. Bragg has framed, though, his strategy as being centered on equity. Representative Lee Zeldin, the frontrunner for the Republican nomination for governor, has already said he'd use the governor's power to remove district attorneys in order to get rid of Bragg. But with his new ad, Swazi becomes the most prominent Democrat yet to threaten the same. 
Well, a piece of irony, Deloitte, the former employer of fatal subway shove victim Michelle Goh, donated to a group that sued the MTA for excluding the homeless from within the transit system. Now, according to the nonprofit's annual report, Deloitte donated between $25,000 and $50,000 to the Urban Justice Center in 2021. Now, Gal was an advocate for the homeless, a volunteer advocate, and the man who allegedly pushed her to her death was homeless. The nonprofit sued the MTA for codes enacted in 2020 that it argued excluded the homeless from the transit system. The code banned staying in the subway system for over an hour, staying in terminals that are not in use, or taking carts larger than 30 by 30 inches into the New York City subway system. And meanwhile, elected officials in Manhattan are urging the MTA to try and move as quickly as possible to test uh, platform barriers at New York City subway stations. Of course, this follows the death of Michelle Goh, fatally pushed at the Times Square subway station January 15th. Borough President Mark Levine said the MTA must overcome its longstanding reluctance to embrace platform barriers. In a letter to MTA Chair Jano Lieber, Levine and all 10 council members representing his borough said, platform screen doors must be given the priority they deserve, studied and funded for installation. Here's Lieber on ABC7. Everybody needs to do what they need to do, but there's no, my goal is there's no reason people should feel that level of nervousness or risk when they're using the subway system. I, I, we, can't, we can't accept that. A 2019 MTA study reported by New York One concluded that platform doors were only feasible at 128 of the New York City subway system's 472 stations and incredibly complicated. The study found that installing floor-to-ceiling gates at those stations would cost over $7 billion. Republican Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis is calling for an investigation into the city's $1.5 billion Thrive New York City program. It was designed to help the mentally ill. The Staten Island Republican is urging the city's Department of Investigation to probe any waste, fraud, or abuse carried out within Thrive NYC since its 2015 launch. Now here's Maliotakis on Fox News. Mayor de Blasio had a Thrive NYC program, spent billions of dollars. It was run people by his still, wife, correct? Yeah, and people are still asking what happened to the money. Nobody yeah. knows where the money went. I've been calling for that to be audited, and quite frankly, the DOJ should be looking at that. So this program was the brainchild of former New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, a Democrat who put his wife, Sherlane McRae, in charge of it, despite a lack of experience in the mental health field. Maliotaka said that people across the political spectrum have questioned where the money for the initiative had gone. Congresswoman Maliotaka said that perhaps Mayor Adams' administration could use that money more effectively. All right, 77 WABC time check, 557. Let's head over to the traffic desk with Mike Garcia. Hi, Mike. 
Hello, Deb. Good morning, everyone. The George Washington Bridge, Lincoln, and Holland Tunnels are all still cleared. However, there is a speed restriction of 45 miles per hour at the Mario 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 Cuomo Bridge due to snow that occurred last night. At Fairlawn on northbound Route 7, Locust Avenue between Morian and Fairlawn Avenue, all lanes are closed on River Road from Burden to Hopper Avenue due to a broken water main. At the Alpine, the Palisades Interstate Parkway northbound between Exit 3 and Exit 4, is closed due to an accident. In the Bronx, Fox Street northbound between Intervale Avenue and Tiffany Street, still closed due to the fatal house explosion that occurred last week. Both Lenox Avenue north and southbound between 129th and 135th Street, as well as east and southbound west 135th Street between 5th and 7th Avenue are all closed due to Friday's fatal police shooting. For transit, the L train service for both east and westbound <clears throat> Excuse me. Between Broadway Junction Eastern Parkway and Rockaway Parkway is suspended. For alternate, use a direct shuttle or local buses between those stations. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your traffic report on 77 WABC. All right. Thanks, Mike. And looking at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center, we have a mostly sunny day. A high of 36 overnight. Increasing clouds. We have a slight chance of snow shower. It's 20%. The overnight low is 33. Partly sunny skies tomorrow. A bit warmer. The high 41. And still, uh, oh no, I beg your pardon. We've just ticked down to 29 degrees. Cloudy skies. Deb Valentine with your early news. Working our way to Bernie and Sid in the morning coming up at 6 o'clock. And I do hear that Bernie is back today. And uh, another story or so to tell you about, former Alaska governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin's defamation lawsuit against the New York Times slated to start this week. This case involves a New York Times corrected editorial linking her to, quote, political incitement, unquote. Palin's case said to be heard in a Manhattan federal court starting today. Now, according to Reuters, the former VP candidate will try and convince jurors that the newspaper and its former editorial page editor, James Bennett, defamed her in an opinion piece. Now, Palin accused the Times of defaming her in a June 2017 editorial that linked her political action committee to the 2011 mass shooting at an Arizona parking lot. And, of course, that shooting left six people dead and former Representative Gabby Giffords critically wounded back in June 2017. So Palin is seeking unspecified damages and about $421,000 in damage to her reputation from that Times editorial article. All right, Bernie had said coming up, Deb Valentine with your early news. Have a great day. Be back with us bright and early tomorrow morning at 5 o'clock with the 77 WABC Early News.